This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Jeff Gibbard, welcome to the show. Hello, Mark. It is good to be here. Thanks for having me. You know, I, I love what you wrote on your Calendly. Uh, folks, a little behind the scenes here. Uh, he filled out a Calendly form to get on my calendar. And he said his old LinkedIn headline was world's most handsome social media and content marketing strategist. Now, were you also the most humble as well? Uh, yes, absolutely. And and isn't it a shame that this is an audio only podcast that they can't see my handsome face? But they can go to LinkedIn or they can go to your website. We'll find that. We'll tell them how to do it at the end of the show. And they can they can gaze upon your handsomeness. How's that? Sound? Oh, well, thank you for setting that up. I really hope that they do that. <laughs> and they can leave a comment and or maybe print it out and throw darts at it. I, we, don't, yeah. we don't know what they're going to do. So before we get started, put yourself into context for the audience. Who in the world are you and what do you do? Uh, so I am Jeff Gibbard, and I am the author of a forthcoming leadership book called The Lovable Leader. I'm the owner of a company called The Superhero Institute, where I put forth my belief that the world would be better off with more superheroes in it. So I help train those superheroes. And I have a background in marketing that goes back more than a decade. So I bring together a lot of different skills, and uh, I try to I try to help people make the world a better place. I love that. I love that. It's short and concise. And we're going to talk about lovable leadership in just a few minutes. But I, I want to talk about the word superhero, because when I first heard about this word, I'm not talking back in my childhood days. Yeah, I'm talking about an adult, you know, when I'm an entrepreneur, I, I, I thought a superhero, I, I'm, I'm thinking capes and, you know, you know, superhero, uh, like I can jump giant buildings or Spider-Man or something like that. But uh, before you tell us what you think a superhero is, Let's go to the Marvel and Batman and all those. Shows. Who, what superhero would you like to be and why? I've got to ask this question because you brought up the superhero thing. Yeah, of course. So I am a, a massive Spider-Man fan. Uh, so I think Spider-Man is the the greatest superhero story ever told. Um, you know, I'm a big fan across the different, you know, Marvel and DC universes, but uh, Spider-Man is a very relatable character. And, um, and I, I just, it really resonates with me, the whole idea of like duty ethics or deontological ethics of with great power, there must also come great responsibility. And I take that personally to heart. And um, it's one of the reasons why I find it such a compelling character. Uh, and then the secondary piece of it is that anyone can wear the mask. And I think that that's um, really a call to the idea that we could all be heroes. We can all step up and do the right thing if we're given the chance. Well, you said that so eloquently. I'm just going to say mine is Iron Man because I like his cool outfit. <laughs> so I'm not going with any of the the psychological stuff that you just you eloquently just said. Uh, I don't think I said the word eloquently so many times on the show, uh, but that's history making for the show today. But I just love the way Iron Man looks, especially in Iron Man three, where he didn't have to carry the big, you know, the suit. He just had to like a little thing on his shoe and it just like blossomed into the suit and he flew yeah. around. I just thought that was pretty cool. I didn't like his alcoholism. Uh, that was not cool. Cool. But his suit, especially when that helmet came out and the lights lit up. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah. Well, I will say just on the alcoholism piece, the, this is one of the things that I love about comics is that it actually is an opportunity for us to show that even the most powerful people among us have their own demons and they have things that they have to struggle with. And my my favorite part of comics is actually the humanization of super human people, um, because I think that it allows us to give ourselves some space to not always be perfect. Even if we are extraordinary in something, we all have our own battles that we have to go through. So Tony Stark's alcoholism in the comics is, is so important in the arc of that character and, you know, super genius and does all these things, but 
he's got this this thing that he's got to fight with and i just really appreciate that in comics when they you know it's one of the reasons i don't like um like superman is just like he's no fun it's like a cheat code like <laughs> it, what like, like five rocks on this one planet can can possibly weaken you so like i don't like that i i want my i want my heroes to be humanized yeah, I, you know, the one movie I've never saw, and I don't think I ever will see because no interest in me, is Superman versus Batman. I'm like, I thought they were both good people, so I don't even know what the premise of the movie is, but how do you take two good guys and battle each other out? So uh, I, I've never seen the movie, have no interest in seeing the movie. How about you? Oh, man, I could go real deep down the rabbit hole on all of these sorts of things, but I'll just say it at the quickest it's um it's kind of an ideological clash like you know you've got superman who is for for all intents and purposes a god on earth and then you have batman who is you know a vigilante out for justice and he looks at Superman is a potential threat. And anyway, you can go real deep down the rabbit hole. It's got a basis in a, a Frank Miller run of, um, of Batman that's, that's very dark. Um, but it's interesting. The movie's not great. I think mainly I just don't like the casting of Lex Luthor of uh, Jesse Eisenberg. But, um, you know, it wasn't a great movie, but I'll watch any superhero movie. Like if they put it out, I'm going to see it in the theaters when they reopen. Uh, and if not, then on Disney Plus or wherever. Oh, very nice. So uh, I want to imagine that one of my listeners is sitting right next to me and I got to imagine they're thinking, okay, Jeff, um, I'm a superhero. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a stay at home mom or I'm an HR director or I'm an entrepreneur. How am I a superhero? What would you say to them? So I would, I want to first make the distinction that there's actually multiple levels of this. And I think that they're all attainable. So my, my premise is that being a superhero is within reach for everyone. And, and it kind of goes like this. All human beings uh, kind of start out with the idea that they're mild-mannered. There's nothing special about me. I'm whatever. And then at some point, maybe you realize that you are super-powered. You have a thing that you can do really well. Mark, you have the gift of gab. You're an amazing podcast host, amazing conversationalist. I knew it from the first minute I met you. So that's a superpower of yours, right? But from super-powered, we can elevate to superhuman. Superhuman is that we have this ability to learn more than one superpower. We can actually continually acquire skills and we learn the act of how to do that. That's what makes us superhuman. And then we become immensely powerful. We have multiple superpowers. We become immensely powerful. Then there's one extra level, which is how do you become a superhero? And the difference between a superhuman and a superhero is about the, uh, the, the code of ethics, the, the internal set of boundaries and guidelines that you impose upon yourself to use those powers in service of the good. So when you're talking about a stay-at-home mom, you're talking about you know, a, a college student, you're talking about a nurse, you're talking about anybody – they all have the ability to go through these steps to recognize that they're good at a thing, that they can be good at a lot of things, and then if they use them in the right way, they can become heroes. I love how you said that because everyone I don't I don't believe anyone is a mistake. We are all put here for a purpose. I love how Kathy Lee Gifford in her book, It's Never Too Late, says, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. So if you're still alive and you are because you're listening to this conversation with Jeff, you have a purpose. Now, you may not have uh, discovered that purpose yet. I didn't discover my purpose until I was fired from my corporate job in July of 2005. Then I became an entrepreneur. So if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with your life. As long as you have a pulse, I think you have a purpose. Would you agree with that? Oh my God, 100%. And I love talking about purpose. I do a lot of work um, in brand. Uh, I spend a lot of my time in brand, leadership, culture, and purpose is such an important driver of all three of those activities. And even if you extend into marketing and sales, 
because we have to know why we do things. And I think if you step out of your work mode for a second, you think of yourself as a human being, it's important to know why you do what you do, why you work where you work, why you make the relationships you do, why you make the decisions you do. All of that comes down to purpose. And I think a lot of us have a really hard time confronting purpose because it's so big. It's it's a big decision that once we pick it, it's like, oh, what if I picked it wrong? And for me, I've always um, kind of seen it in a different way where I feel very liberated by the idea that I get to choose and decide what my purpose is. I get to discover it um, if it if it is a thing that you know exists that I'm uncovering, or I get to pick and choose what it is as I learn more about myself and what's important to me. So for me, I think you know to that point of if you're if you're if you've got a pulse, you've got a purpose. The way that I actually think about purpose is very similar. It's it's about confronting your mortality because my um, I, I've told this story in the past, but my mother got into a catastrophic car accident on my last day of high school. And it, uh, she survived operating table, you know, nine pints of blood, the whole thing. But it was a reminder because the next 20 years, I watched how her life immensely changed, my life immensely changed all in an instant. And you never know when your number is going to get called. You never know when it's your last day. You never know any of that. So you have this profound opportunity today to do something, to think about what your your bigger mark that you're going to leave behind here. Um, and, and that's how I kind of try to encourage people to uncover purpose is to really confront the idea that you're not going to be around forever. So what are you going to do with this time you have? Hey there, it's Mark, and I want to invite you to become a Mark Stuchowski Insider and get the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely free. It all happens over at MrProductivity.com. I remember, I think it was the fall of 1982, going way back to 1982. I took some kind of test in high school as my senior year. And do you know what the testing said I should be, I should get into the occupation they recommended? Now keep in mind, this is before cell phones and computers and all this other stuff. What do you think the profession, you'll never guess it, but what do you think it was? I mean, if it's accurate, it would probably say like radio host. Uh, agriculture. <laughs> I have, I looked at that and went home and told my mom, I said, I don't want to be a farmer. I mean, I love farmers. Farmers are awesome, but I didn't want to be a farmer. Uh, I just thought it was so funny. And I still remember that to this day that I'm nowhere near, I mean, I eat food. That's about as close as I come to agriculture. <laughs> And we have, we have to have food. So we, we love our farmers. Um, you know, confronting your mortality, you know, there are people, I love how you said that we never know when our numbers going to be called. Uh, there are people, um, uh, I go to a church, uh, Second Baptist here in Houston, and Dr. Ed Young has a child. Uh, he's not a child anymore. He's a grown man who lost their 34-year-old daughter. Uh, it was a tragic, sudden uh, uh, death. They woke up that day. They didn't think that was going to be the day that their daughter died. And so we assume there's going to be another five years, another year, another day, another minute. I mean, I, I hope you don't die during this podcast. That'll be kind of morbid, Jeff. But the point is you're 100% true. And that's why I wake up every day on fire for what am I going to do today? What am I going to learn? Who am I going to meet? So I love every day. I squeeze everything I can out of every day through serving other people. And I think if you're waking up and you're just going, uh, you, you take the Eeyore complex, you're just like, you know what? I, I hate my life. You know, I hate the people I'm with. I hate my job. I, I think you should do something about that proactively because the chances are changing for you are pretty small. Would you agree? I would agree. I mean, the the one area where like I would be cautious is I never want to be prescriptive to people about what they ought to do. Like, I, I don't think if you are down if you're depressed if you hate the world around you that you ought to make it better i i just think from my experience i've found that 
it's more enjoyable to take agency and figure out what you want to do and find a purpose that excites you. It's a more enjoyable way to live in, in my experience. But, you know, I never want to be prescriptive to people, even as, as, as ambitiously excited I am about a world with superheroes. I don't think it's necessarily for everyone. And, and I think that's okay. I'm saying to people who aspire to do great things, to leave their mark, to, to, you know, just suck all of the marrow out of life, let's say, as as it would be in uh, Dead Poet Society. I, I think for those people that I just want to say that there's a path to doing it and um, and taking taking um, the reins of life and 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 going where you want to go. I think that it's worth it. But again, I, I think my big kind of like the caveat I would make is like, I'm not telling anyone what to do. I'm telling people what I think is possible. I respect that 100%. So let's pivot to your upcoming book, The Lovable Leader. What's up with the title? So I have heard this expression, it's not personal, it's just business. <laughs> and it 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 eats away at me as if I was being bathed in acid. It it is just so horrible to hear that because I think we we have created this idea that when we go to work, all of the rules of humanity are left at the door. And that's nonsense. I think that the idea of going to work should be that we are looking for ways to interact with other human beings in a positive way to make a difference in the world for each other and for whatever it is that we choose to do for our work. So the lovable leader is um, first and foremost, it's, it's my wife. So my wife is like the most lovable person, I think, on this planet earth. And granted I'm biased, but she is like a Disney princess and everyone loves her. So when I was coming up with, I knew I was going to write this book, but when I was coming up with the title, I just looked at her and I was like, Oh my God, you're a lovable leader. Like everyone loves you. Uh, and, and partly the name came out of, um, she had just moved into a role where she was managing people for the first time. And I had been doing that for, for some time. So she asked me advice on different things. And when I started to like try and conceive of the outline of the book and all the different things, uh, a lot of it came so much back to her and her experiences and what she needed and what people in roles like her, where they're moving into a role where for the first time, they're not just managing their work, but they're managing the people. Um, I felt like it was really important to bring love into the equation because if you don't love and care for the people that you're working with, you're not going to be able to go as far uh, as you could, if if you actually cared about what happened to them in work, out of work, et cetera. I I I just I'm just looking at the I wrote it down here, lovable leader, because you know everyone's a leader, whether you're a leader of your home and like I have my business, so I'm the leader of my clients and whatever. But you know, you only get one life, as Gary Vaynerchuk so eloquently says. And I, I think you want to be known as someone because you you talked about leaving a legacy earlier. You don't want to be known as um are you familiar with Jeff Dunham, the, the ventriloquist? Yeah. Oh okay. my god. I, I want to be known as Peanut, not Walter. Okay. I want to be known as the Tigger that I am and not an Eeyore. Okay. And yep. people don't stop and think that when you react to people, when you speak, when you are creating a video of social media, if you're like you're you're angry and you're scowling. You know, you, it's tough to lead people. Matter of fact, when I grew up, uh, I worked at a steel factory, a unionized steel factory for about 10 years. And the reason why I worked there instead of working at Kmart or something like that is they paid pretty well. Okay. But most of the people there, they were like rebels, I will say. Okay. They, they, they had to be yelled at to get work, uh, to get work done. And they didn't want to follow the, the rules of the company. Well, I remember uh, we went through a revolving door. I worked in the warehouse and a revolving door for, supervisors and every supervisor always treated everyone the same 
They didn't get to know the people. Well, we had this new guy named Mikey came in and he was really good at reading people. And he knew I was going to college. The company's put me through college. And, and I remember he, him coming down from the stairs of his office one day and he walked over and he says, look it, I got to yell at the guys, but I'm going to talk to you about it later. So this is not because he knew with me, you yell at me, I shut down. You don't motivate me if you yell at me, okay? And so he yelled at the guys who came over and explained to me one-on-one, and I really appreciated that, the, the fact that he knew that yelling at Mark doesn't work. Talking to Mark in a civilized manner works. And I find a lot of leaders, at least when I up until I left, left corporate America in, in 2005, they don't, a lot of people don't get that. They don't get that everyone's got a different personality and you can't manage, it's not one size fits all. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And I'm very much like you. If you yell at me, I'm basically just not going to listen to you. Um, you have to find a place where your goals overlap with my goals and talk to me about how whatever it is we're talking about um, is about serving my goals as well as potentially serving your goals, obviously. Um, and I think that that's one of the real secrets to good leadership is understanding that you're not dealing with people who are coming to work because they necessarily care about what you want. They care about what they want. And the best leaders understand how to actually tie those two things together, that you want something, they want something. And the closer you can make those two things aligned and find as much overlap as possible, the easier it's going to be to motivate those people that are on your team to move in that same direction. Um, so there's so much that goes with that and you know, how you build the team, how you keep the team together and on the rails. There's just, there's so much to it. Um, and I think what, what happens is that a lot of people get moved into a leadership role because they were good at a thing and they, and there's an assumption that, Oh, you're good at that thing. So you'll be good at leading the team to do that thing. But those are very vastly different skill sets dealing with people versus dealing with the work. You can be good at the work and never, interact with a single person to be good at your job in some roles, but that doesn't mean you're going to be able to actually deal with the multitude of personalities and ways that people like to be coached. My best friend likes a coach that gets in his face and yells at him that, that you and I, that would not work with. I need someone to tell me I'm a special snowflake and I'm really good and I can do better. <laughs> and, you believe in me. and they're going to push me. They're, they're going to be by my side to support me. I'm like, yeah, I can do that. So, you know, I think that's part and parcel of love is, is understanding what your people need and respecting them enough to give them what they need so that they, they can live their best life and you can live your best life. Gary Vaynerchuk's favorite book. A lot of people don't realize this. His favorite book he ever wrote was the thank you economy. And he's got a chapter in a book and it says care. That's it. That's the whole chapter. And he's talking about people don't care enough. They, it, it's almost like we live in a narcissistic society. Okay. It, it's all about me. The world revolves around me. And, and here's Gary who I love Gary, except for his potty mouth. He is the most approachable person. You and I both know people who become very successful. I'm not going to name names on the show, but if you're not member, their quadrillion dollar millionaire, multi, uh, mastermind. That's the word I'm looking for. You're not ever going to talk to him. Gary, you can see him in an airport. You can see him on the streets of New York City. Walk up to him and say hi. That's the kind of guy I want to be because I think Gary really cares about everyone he meets, unless you're a New England Patriot fan. Uh, it's an inside joke there. So what do you think about what he says about caring? Do you think that is that important? So the lovable leader framework actually has three parts to it. Uh, trust, care, and safe travels. So not only do I believe it um, and and align with that, I actually think that it's one of the biggest things that's missing in business today is that um, we use the word care and we use the word responsible in ways that are not befitting of the importance of those words. To care, we say like, oh, I care about that, but we use it flippantly. Like I, like I, I, I care if my coffee's hot, right? Like it's not 
getting to the deep meaning of what it is to care. To care about someone means, okay, let's say you have to fire a teammate. Like there's somebody on your team that just doesn't fit with your culture, isn't working out for one reason or another. They can't keep up with the the technical demands, whatever it might be. How do you fire that person? You have to actually care about how you fire that person. You have to care about the person and their well-being on their way out the door. Because if you cared enough to hire them, then you should care enough for how you fire them. So when I talk about care, I mean caring about the actual human being. And I mean caring about the integrity of the work. So I, when I look at care, care goes really, really deeply for me. And um, not only do I agree with it, I, I think it's so central that I made it one of the three um, aspects of, of lovable leadership. Hey, I now have an affiliate program where you can earn up to 30% commission just for referring people to my paid program. To find out more, go to MrProductivity.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and click the link. I remember when I was fired in July 2005 from my company, I, I can't, still can't believe uh, my manager did this. He said, we've got to let you go. And, and I started getting up and walking away. He goes, wait, I got to tell you what, dude. I don't look here. I don't work here anymore. Okay. I don't care why it doesn't matter. And he followed me up to the front as I'm, you know, packing up my desk and whatever. And he goes, well, I, I want to tell you why. And it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter. Okay. You can give me a piece of paper. You can mail it to me. I don't care. At that point, when you tell someone you're fired, they, they don't work for you anymore. Okay. I don't care why. And, and that still eats me because that manager never cared about me. Never. He knew policies and procedures, but he didn't know how to care for people. He didn't have any empathy. All he cared about was, were you doing exactly what you're supposed to do every minute of every day? Are you on time? Are you, you know, no deviation. And it's almost like he treated us like a number, like we're robots and we're all humans. And we, I don't know of a human being that doesn't like to be cared for. Everyone likes to be uh, treated with dignity and respect. And this guy didn't do that. And, and I see him, He's still struggling because if you can't care for someone, why does anyone want to have anything to do with you unless you're a family member? Yeah, no, it's it. You're a hundred percent right on all of that. So I want to talk to you about another part of your, your framework here. You said safe travels I, that those two words. Why is that in a, lo, a lovable leadership book? Yeah. So safe travels was one that I really deliberately like I, so I spent a lot of time thinking about this framework and a lot of the different aspects of leadership. And I tried to, uh, I'm a big fan of frameworks. So I like to simplify things into things that are memorable, right? So there's probably like four or five frameworks in the book that are all really easy to remember, really easy to take away, really easy to implement because they're frameworks and they're simple, simplified. So when I was coming up with what are the big three core things, trust was easy. You can't lead someone without trust. Care, obvious, you need to care for them. And then I was like, okay, well, what's leadership? Well, leadership is you have to go somewhere, right? So, so we're traveling somewhere. So I always use the example of like, oh, if you're going from like New York to Los Angeles, right? Like your, your goal is to get to Los Angeles and then you need to build a strategy of how to get there, right? So leaders have to set goals. They have to set a, a place in the distant future where we're all going to be going together, right? But it's not just about the traveling, right? Like it's not just about like, oh, we're going to go here and accomplish this. In order to get people to come along with you, and in order to get people to uh, be able to operate at their best, they have to be able to operate in a state where they're without fear. They have to be able to be free to make mistakes. They have to be uh, you know, free to know that the people that they're working with have their back. And this is all part and parcel of trust. The safe travels is that you have to not only pick the destination, but you have to ensure that people know that they're going to be safe on their way there. Mm. 
And that means that um, even before you get on the plane, you have to make sure the right people are on the plane, right? And that when you're getting on the way there, you know that you're in a safe vessel to get there, right? Like imagine if you were going to take a flight from New York to, to Los Angeles, but you know, 60% of the time, the plane doesn't make it there. You would be very hesitant to fly that airline, right? You wouldn't want to fly that airline if you're, you might take a bus. Um, so I look at it as, as a leader, it's not just my job to set the big, bold idea in the future, the big, hairy, audacious goal, but it's also my job to say, hey, and by the way, you're safe as we go there. Like You're not getting kicked off in Kansas as we go to Los Angeles and we're just going to leave you to fend for yourself, right? Like Even if somebody can't make it with you the entire journey, you have to make sure it's understood that they're safe the, for the duration of the time that they're with your team. So even if you have to let them off in Kansas, let's say I'm going to keep using this example of going cross country, that you're going to make sure that they have a ticket home, that they have food, that they have water, they have all the things that they need to be able to survive and that they're safe because you care about them enough that you're not just going to kick them out of the bus on the way there. So, uh, or, or throw them out of the, the plane without a chute, right? So, um, the safe travels thing is that you have to not only set the destination, but you also have to make sure people understand that they're safe. I love that. Well, you gave us a lot to think about, Jeff. I really appreciate all your insights today. What we're going to do now is something that I actually got an idea from you. And even though we did the pre-interview call a number of months ago, I immediately instituted this on my show. My listeners know it's called Mike Swap. Now, you're probably the first person. I don't have to explain it because you actually gave me the idea. So just don't ask me anything about social security numbers or credit card numbers. But other than that, you created this for me. So I'll give you control. You can ask me anywhere from one to three questions. You are the temporary host of the Mark Chichesky podcast. So, Jeff, it's all yours. All right. Let's go with this then. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Oh, my goodness. So I think I would like to mind read because it would make it a lot easier uh, around my wife. So I know what she's actually thinking instead of guessing. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, man. I, only three questions. I have so many that I could go into. So I'm I'm trying to make sure that I use these wisely. So uh, I'm going to ask you another short one. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a bigger one. Um, so uh, let's see. The, the – God, there's so many. Okay. <laughs> Let, I know you're a huge reader. You, you and I talked about this on my podcast, but like you're a huge reader. Um, and, and I want to specify, I know that one of the books that you would say here would be the Bible. So I'm going to exclude that for this because I know that that's one of the books that you would say. But one book that you believe everyone should read, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I guess, focus it so that um, so you have it here. One book that everybody in business should read that you think will help them move closer to becoming a superhero. Well, I thank you for letting, you know, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? For telling me that I'm a good reader. That's not the word I'm looking for, which you know what I'm talking about. Give me yeah. credit. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, so I'm reading a book right now. I haven't finished it. It's uh, I'm a big fan of Adam Grant. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the youngest people who've ever gotten tenured at Wharton School of Business. I'm reading his book, The Originals. Now, when I first saw the cover, I'm like, non I'm actually got it right in front of me because I'm actually reading it. It's how nonconformists move the world. And I'm like, ah. so I, I kept putting the book off over and over again. I'm like, ah, is this what I want? Because I love his book, Give and Take. But one thing that really stuck out for me, see if I can bring it here real quickly. Um, I'm not gonna be able to find it. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Sir Richard Branson said it's the best book you've ever read. I'm like, when I read that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm sold. So I got the book. I'm about 80 pages into it. The book is so incredible. Um, he talks about one of the mistakes. I just finished reading this actually, that when people are pitching idea, whether it's your new service, your book, whatever the case may be, 
it pays to say, these are some of the limitations of this product or service. And when I read that, I'm like, what? You're going to tell people who are going to potentially customers the limitations? He goes, yeah, because it builds trust. Uh, people can relate to you. They they ease up. If you tell everybody, these are all the great things about your product, then they're going, okay, what's wrong with it? But if you upfront say, here are some limitations of my product or service. Now people, they, they, they trust you more. And I read that. I'm like, wow, that's unbelievable because we always think that it's a weakness to talk about weaknesses, but it's actually, according to Adam Grant, it's actually a strength. So I would say right now, March 3rd, 2021, the book I would recommend everyone read is the originals. And I've just literally started reading it. Awesome. That's a great recommendation. I will add it to my list because, you know, I am a huge reader as well. Um, all right. So here's the third final question. Uh, I always save this one as a last question. I don't believe I've asked you this question. Um, so all right, did you see Avengers Endgame and Infinity War? I did. Okay. So you're familiar with the premise of Thanos and the snap and all of that. Mm-hmm. All right. So Mark, I'm putting the Infinity Gauntlet on your uh, on your hand. It's got all of the Infinity Stones. You are capable now of snapping your fingers and making literally anything happen in the entire universe. With great power comes great responsibility. You're going to snap, but it's going to cost you your life. You're not going to be able to survive this snap, even though you're pretty remarkable. It's just not going to happen. What happens after you snap or do you snap? No, you have never asked this question for me, asked this question to me before. And as you're asking it, the first thing I said, you know, I'd like to make my mom healed of Alzheimer's disease, but then she would miss her son. So I wouldn't want to do that. So what would I do? I think, let me see here as I think live on my show, cause I would die. Um, I think this just literally just popped in my head, literally like three seconds ago. I think I would make it possible. So every human being on this planet would have clean water to drink and food to eat. Every 8 billion people of us. Awesome. I think I could die knowing that now people in very poor countries would have clean water and food to drink. And, and I think, I think everyone should have that. I don't think anyone should be hungry. I don't think anyone should be thirsty. Uh, those are basic uh, needs. We all have our body. And so I think I would be willing to give up my life to have everyone be able to have food and water. Love it. Great answer, man. Well, you for being on my uh, my half of your show. <laughs> okay. Well, the final question I have for you is number one. I have actually two part question. Number one, where can we go to find out more about you and what you're doing in the world? But second, when is your book coming out and where can we get it? Awesome. Well, thank you for the opportunity for this. And thanks for having me on your show. It's it's great to be on the other side of the mic. Um, finding out about me is pretty easy. I mean, if you if you Google Jeff Gibbard, I, I come up everywhere. But my website, jeffgibbard.com, is a great place to learn about me as a speaker, as a strategist, as a trainer. And it also has links to all of um, all of as links to the Superhero Institute and everything else. Um, if you want to see all of my projects, jeffgibbard.me has a list of literally everything that I'm doing, which would take 45 minutes for me to read through them all. Um, so the, the best thing to do is just go to jeffgibber.com. That has links to everything. And then as far as the book goes, the book is being published by page two out of um, Toronto, Ontario. And um, it's going to be coming out in January of 2022. So right now we're just going through the editing process. We're making sure that um, you know it just says everything that I want it to say, that it's inclusive, that it's um, structured in such a way that people can have key takeaways. So we're going through all that. Then we're going to go into design and all that sort of stuff. And then somewhere 
somewhere around August, September, you'll probably start to see me talking pretty heavily about it and, and starting to promote and get it. Uh, but people can actually sign up to get on the pre-order list. There's no credit card needed or anything like that. You can just say like, hey, you're pretty cool and I'm interested in your book. Uh, when you go to jeffgibber.com, go to jeffgibber.com slash support. And on that page, uh, it shows you all different ways you can support my work. But uh, that's the site. That's the page where there's a form to sign up and say, hey, I'd be interested in getting this. And all you'll get is an email uh, or a few when the book comes out to say, you know, here it is. Here's where you can buy it. Excellent. Well, I, I think the future is so bright for you, sir. You're going to need to get sunglasses. That's a, uh, if you remember the song by Timbuk three back in the late 1980s, they had a song called the future. So bright. We got to wear shades. I don't know if you've ever heard that song. Go check it out on Apple music or Spotify. Pretty cool song from the eighties. So Jeff, thank you so much for being on the show. Awesome to have you here, sir. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Mark. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchewski Podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stuchewski Insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. Absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.